Welcome to the In All Jest podcast. I'm Daryl, your host, and each week I take you on a hero's journey. I leave my safe, normal world and face many obstacles on my quest to publish not just one, but six epic fantasy novels. I hope you'll come along for the ride. You can find out more information at kingdarrell.com forward slash. Hey there, it's episode 15, recorded on January the 22nd, 2021. Right now, pretty much all I'm doing is writing, writing, writing. As I race to finish the first draft of Fool Me Twice, it's all about my word count. Since last time. Well, I had hoped to be recording episodes prior to today. I just didn't quite get there. Which means I did have a good break over my summer holidays, being away from my day job, plugging away at writing words, and I just never got around to getting back into the saddle and recording another episode. So here I am today, ready to get going for the year and to get the momentum rolling and recording a full episode every two weeks and the in-betweener episodes, which will have just the narration of chapters. What has happened since last time? Well, for the last few days of December, I ended up writing 12,344 words. And in January to this point, I've written 29,805. So all up, I covered just over 42,000 words over the last four weeks, which I'm happy about. I am very happy that I made great progress. It's not as much progress as I would like to have made. I was needing to do around 2,500 words. I didn't always get there. I'm now, I've allowed it to push out. It's getting a lot closer to 3,000 words if I want to make the deadline of February the 28th to have the first draft done. The total at the moment, according to Scrivener, is 119,734 words. So definitely been making good progress. There is a little hitch in that, that the number includes some chapters and scenes that were written originally right back at the beginning, which I've mentioned before. And as I replace them, I delete them. So I might write 1,500 words and then I delete 1,500 words. So the total isn't progressing as fast as potentially some of the words that I've actually written. And unfortunately, there's nothing I can do about that probably talk a little bit more about that in where is the story at and how has the writing been going. So where is the story at? Well, I've been developing my antagonists and their roles and all their different stories. It has been interesting getting more involved with them. In A Fool's Errand, there is a lot less focus on them. They're conceptually there, but we don't see their Stories from a point of view that has changed in For Me Twice, the introduction of the primary antagonist and the people around him. So that is coming along. Lani's journey has progressed and I'm happily adding more complications more instinctively as I go. When I wrote A Fool's Errand, one of the things I had to fix in my later edits was making sure that the obstacles in her path, the complications she would come across, existed in her story. I'm really happy with where I got them to be. This time around, I'm more cognizant of that, and I'm making sure that that's part of 
every scene and uh, combination of scenes that I keep that very much in mind and I don't let the story get away from me. I do think it's a lot easier this time because there aren't quite as many scenes that involve Lani on her own or, or Lani as a whole. Her, her character exists. She's a primary part of the story, clearly, and that will continue in a fool's errand, we had a lot of it about her. I mean, a large section of the book was about Lani and, and her progression. That continues in Fool Me Twice, probably not quite as many scenes as we had. And that's partly because of the other characters and the breadth of the story. It's become very obvious to me how the breadth of the story grows and I guess I know that from reading other fantasy series, but seeing mine as well evolve, not only do I have the characters like Lani or Talandra that have their own stories and they need to be expanded and, and things that they're working on or journeys they're making, all of those things have to come out in the story. But the secondary characters and tertiary characters that have important roles to fulfill plot threads that need to be expanded on and completed, they add scenes that make those things happen. Sometimes they're off camera, but a lot of them can't be. A lot of them you have to experience and go through. So now we see more of Goran. We see more of other characters as they are needed to you know, create that breadth in the story and to help the reader see these different plot threads play out. There's, of course, new characters, and there are five new characters that have a point of view that I need to develop in Fool Me Twice. One of them is a jester that we haven't met before. Uh, she comes into it. We have a student in the college, the primary antagonist that's I talked about and there's another character that I can't really explain I enjoyed writing him in the original draft of this part of the, the story and being able to go back and rewrite him again redoing some of those chapters and I will talk a little bit more about why I rewrote some of them but I really liked the way he's developed the last of the five that I've added is something different altogether and I, I can't really say anything about that character it would give away too much writing them in took some work and i'll be making more of them as the series progresses it is something that i wanted in a fool's errand didn't really work there and so i i didn't make it happen then i now have the right place for this to commence for them to come into the story and to develop that out and I'm interested to see how that will play out. As I mentioned, I haven't kept um, too many of the original scenes. I've kept the storylines and what the end goal of each scene was, what the complications were more or less, but I just felt I could write them better. I feel that my writing now is much stronger. I feel that I, I produce better uh, written word as my first draft than I did previously. And albeit that they'll get edited by me and then looked at by the editor, etc., I want to make sure that I, I do the best job possible in the first draft to cut down the, the time in the whole production of the book. So I've been doing that. It's pretty 
natural that I would progress that way. I've become better. The more words I've written, the more I've gone through the process. And now I've, I've written well over 500,000 words as I've progressed along, probably close to three quarter of a million. So I have been refining how I do it. It's a long way to go until I could think I was an expert at it, but I'm better than I was 450,000 words ago. It's probably a good lesson to me to not overproduce words in the future. This was a unique circumstance because I split the original book and these were left over. I think it's easier to write from scratch after so much time has gone and so much of the story has changed. And there are a couple of scenes in this that are still lingering around for a character that I removed from a fool's errand. So I will need to remove them from this as well. Of course, I've deleted words as well as written new words. So the total word count just doesn't go up as fast as I'd like. But if I write a whole new scene, say 1500 words, and then I delete one previously that was 1500 words, my net gain is zip. But that's just the way it is. Interesting thing in the last couple of weeks, I've built a distance grid. Now, you may be familiar with the road assistance organizations do them, travel companies do them, where you know you have three or four cities on the left, three or four across the right, and it tells you the distances between them if you're touring around an area. I have this massive spreadsheet of many of the cities and major towns on Daratan and listed them out in a grid. And as I measure the distances as I need to, I'm writing them in there so that I can quickly go back and see the distances without having to remeasure them time and time again. And this is really important for me to maintain the timeline. Being able to maintain the timeline if a character is going from Calais to Dued and it's this distance and then someone else is coming the other way or going to be passing through Dued, I need to make sure that everything coincides the timing wise that things don't get out of whack. And that is getting more and more complex as I've got more and more people in motion in different parts of uh, the world. I just need to have something to keep them. Yes, I could measure them every time, but doing something multiple times just doesn't make sense. And I, I'd rather be writing. And little tools like that help me maintain the integrity of my world. They help me keep it more realistic. Yes, it's a fantasy series. I do have a little bit of freedom at the bend time or do things if I wanted to. But I really would like that the integrity of this is kept strong. The rules of the world are kept together. There's distance, riding, walking, carriages have certain distances. Are we on a river paddling a canoe? Are we in a boat? All of those things. There are different distances that people can cover depending on what method of transportation they're using. And I want to keep that reasonably accurate there. And probably the last thing is just learning how to make my antagonists be people and not just the bad guy or the opposition. I am enjoying making their stories real. I feel like I need to make them sinister or dark, but the truth of it is I don't think I do. Their characters living their worldview, which they think is correct, and they're trying to achieve their goals. And over the other side, I have my protagonist doing their goals and trying to achieve those things. The fact that they come into conflict is where they become the antagonist. And understanding that and actually doing it is kind of interesting. And I don't know how well I'll have pulled it off until I go back to reflect on my first edit and see it all. So I look forward to that when I get to it, but that's what I'm doing. What comes next? 
I just got to get more words done per day. As I said, February 28th is when I want to have the first draft done. I'm either going to have to commit more weekend time to lift my average or get less sleep or something like that, but I need to get to 2,500 to 3,000 words a day if I'm going to get there. A couple of solid weekends of five or 6,000 words would help bring that back down again, but you know, got to be realistic as well. I'm going to get back to the regular episodes on this podcast. Every two weeks, I'll do the full outline of where I'm at and the in-betweeners will be narrations of chapters. I've got to manage all the plot threads. I have notes and notes and notes and notes of this person's got to do that and this person's got to do that, etc. I've got to do that. I've got to keep on top of the storyline and things that are developing. But really, it's about writing more words and that's what I've got to do. One bite at a time. Lani. The woods only provided some shelter from the rain, and Lani was getting wetter. She was tired, and her body felt like it was shutting down. Finally, she slumped down against a tree and let the feeling of hopelessness wash over her. She didn't care how wet she got anymore. She was cold already, and that wouldn't change with more rain. Sitting there on the ground was enough. With her head buried in her knees, she tried to fall asleep, but it wouldn't come. An image of the woodman's cave kept appearing in her mind. The vision of a dry, warmer place to spend the night was appealing, except that she would have to move. Thunder cracked almost directly overhead from her and made her jump. The surprise broke broke the hold her thoughts had on her, and she stood, unable to shake the feeling, to head to the cave. She pushed off from the tree that had been her shelter and trudged further into the woods. Even with no one around, she was startled every time her feet crunched through the undergrowth or a branch pulled against her arms. Her heart still pounded, her eyes naturally scanning every direction, all her senses on high alert. What light left with the cloud cover was almost gone as she broke free of the tree line into the small clearing in front of the cavern entrance. Cautiously, she crossed the open clearing towards the cave entrance stopping on the well-worn road that ended in front of it. It was only 20 paces across, big enough to expose her, too big to easily escape. Pausing to acquaint herself with her surroundings, she realised that something wasn't right and she wasn't alone. Even in the fading light, she could tell the ground around the entrance was heavily disturbed, as if something had been dragged through it. Lani stepped a little closer, the dry ground near the entrance drawing her towards it. As she got closer, a familiar smell stopped her in her tracks. Despite the damp, earthy aromas from the storm, she knew the smell far too well. That smell of rancid blood and dirty wounds had lived with her since she was small. When you lived on the street, you often carried some type of wound that healed slowly or came across a body down some alley or lane. There was no noise inside that she could hear. Without taking another step, she reviewed her options quickly, her heart racing again. Was someone still in there? She listened, holding her breath, trying to detect if anyone was inside the cave. She couldn't detect anything over the fall of the rain and wind in the woods. Despite those sounds, there was unnerving stillness surrounding the area near the cave. She had few options now. She was exposed, standing out in the open, and was drained. She hadn't eaten for two days, and her mouth was dry and acidic from vomiting. Could this day get any worse? 
Lani wanted to turn and run, but she felt like she was being pulled towards the cave. Not physically, but it was as if her mind was being pulled there. She was just getting wetter standing in the rain. She either had to run or confront what or whoever was inside the cavern. She clenched her fists, scrunching her eyes as she cringed in on herself. Who's in the cavern? She blurted out brashly, trying to mask her false bravado. No response. More silence. Despite a creeping sense of dread, she tried to strengthen her tone. I said, who is in the cavern? The cough sounded like an explosion out of the silence and was followed by a sickly gasp. I can't move, the cracked voice gasped out of the dark cave. A male voice, another wet cough, several gasps for air. I don't have much time left, was all he said, nothing more. There was a short scratching and a glow came out of the cave, a dull blue glow, enough to see within the cave, but hardly enough to be noticed anywhere else. An unnatural glow that Lani couldn't recognise from anything she'd ever seen. What makes it glow like that? Can I see him? Are you alone? She called out as she took several cautious steps closer to the cavern. She could hear his wheezy half-breaths, but no movement from within the cave as she waited for a reply. I am, seemed to scrape out of his throat with great effort. Without other plausible options, Lani cautiously crept closer. The trail leading up to her left, away from the cave mouth, while steep and narrow around the rocks on the cavern roof, was clear and would be her best chance to escape if things turned bad. The glow weirdly didn't get any brighter the closer she got. It just had a hue that enabled her to see inside without giving off any bright light. She could see his body slumped against the wall, barely inside the cave mouth. He wasn't going to be attacking her any time soon. Backing along the wall from the entrance, Lani got within five feet of the stranger. In front of him on the ground, a small stone was giving off the blue glow. What light it projected added a ghostly hue to him, and he looked bad enough as it was. On his lap sat an open journal, and he had a quill in his hand, as if he'd been writing in the dark. He put it down, and barely lifted his head to look at her. I won't hurt you. I can't move. What happened to you? Lani was both concerned for him and wary. Bandits tried to take my satchel, he said, gasping for more air. I got struck as I was finishing them off. A lucky strike. Lucky for who? You look like you're dying. He closed his eyes. She could see the pain through his gritted teeth. His gaunt face was covered in grime and dried blood that he'd likely wiped across it. A straggly beard, dirty and dark, hung off him like it didn't belong. Can I help you? It seemed pointless. Lani was no healer, but it didn't look like he was going to make it. There was no one around to help, even if there was something to be done, and she wasn't going back to the city tonight, no matter the reason. 
it seemed like an age before he answered. Nothing can be done. Comfortable now that no one else was in the cave, Lani edged her way further in. His small sword lay near his limp left arm. He wasn't going to be using it on her any time soon, and she almost felt herself relax a little. Lani, it's okay. She froze dead. Her heart seemed to pause in her chest, and she couldn't seem to breathe as she struggled to stay upright, her legs ready to collapse under her. What did you call me? How did he know her name? She'd never seen him before, yet he knew her name. She'd been starting to feel in control of the situation. Now she tried to gather herself together to dash out of the cave entrance. I know things. It came out with a cough. Blood followed. She knew she needn't be frightened of him physically, and yet she was more worried than at any time today. Her life in Barnan usually brought her few surprises, but here lay a dying man who crafted magic light and could read your mind. I know your name. How? I've never met you. The time it took between his replies was making everything worse, her impatience building with every pause he took. It's a bit like the blue light. I have some skills. I could sense you out there in the woods. Lani waited. He didn't seem finished. I helped you choose to come here. What do you mean? I <coughs> spoke to your mind. The easiest way to explain it. Your mind let me know your name. Lani shook from the wet and cold, but also from what he was saying. That sounds like magic. Magic isn't real. It's real, Lani. You you can see the light for yourself. How else would I know your name? She had no answer that would make any sense. Staring at the blue light, she realized there was something different about him. This hurts too much. I need to tell you something. He slumped in pain, windless. The wheezing for air increased, the wetness and the sound readily apparent. Every word came at a cost now. The the bag. Get it. Past him on the far wall, out of his reach, lay a well-worn brown leather satchel, its strapped coiled up underneath it. Who are you? She knew he couldn't answer easily, but it was too much to take in. Why was he here, and what bandits had he come across? The the back. Lani cautiously stepped sideways around the bottom of his feet and across to the satchel, swooping it up with one hand and backing back over to the wall. As she opened the satchel, she could have sworn she felt something move inside, but all she saw was something wrapped in a cloth pouch. A parchment folded set on top and a small coin bag. In that pouch, there's an amulet, a dangerous amulet. I was taking it to a friend. They'll know what to do with it. It must be delivered. 
Everything depends on it. The effort was drawing his last reserves. She watched him push himself back against the wall, grimacing in pain to sit up a little more. It wasn't bandits, exactly. Someone doesn't want that stone to make its way south. Someone knows I took it. That <laughs> He coughed, more blood coming out of his mouth. He seemed to be gritting through some pain. Won't be happy about it, but his eyes closed over a little. He waited and wheezed in some more air, some more resolve. It must be delivered. If it doesn't get there, no one will know what's coming. What is coming? Who did you take it from? Lani rolled the cloth stone in her hand. She wondered what sort of amulet was worth dying for. Something very valuable, she imagined. If it was valuable, she could trade it for money. Get out of Barnan for good. She slipped it out of the cloth into her hand, her eyes captivated by its golden orange color, even in this poorly lit space. Oh, it's beautiful. Who did you steal it from? The silence in the cave seemed to hold for an age before he forced out a response. It's worthless to anyone on this side of the stepping aisles. It's no jewel. It's evil. Evil, you say? How can a stone be evil? I think you're lying to me to finish your deed. I think it's my amulet now, and I'll decide what I do with it. He gasped, horror written across his already deathly face. He dragged his right arm across his body and struggled with a pocket on the front of his gamson. Without the use of his other arm, he could hardly get his fingers inside. Bit by bit, he reached in and pulled out something in his hand. He flicked it as far as he could toward Lani. As a small cloud of shiny dust flew in front of her, strange light bursting and tiny pixels from it and sharp crackling sounds. Her concentration broke in fright at the strange cloud and noises. Looking down, she felt the weight of the amulet unnaturally heavy in her hand and without thought opened the pouch to it. The pouch seemed to draw it in like invisible tentacles, grasping it and dragging it in. As soon as it was all wrapped up, her head seemed to clear and the thought she had had seemed to slip away. It was as if she could see everything in a different light. She looked around, but nothing had changed. The cave was still the same, and the glow a deep blue that only just let off enough light. What did you do? What was that light? What is this amulet and pouch doing? Lani dropped the pouch to the ground while fighting the part that had liked having it out. The pouch, it stops the evil creeping out from that stone. It will try and protect you from it, but only if you let it. I forgot to warn you about the pouch before you picked up the satchel. It was already working on you, the stone, when you opened the pouch. Your greed was fueled by it. Without the pouch and the knowledge, you would just leave with it and they'll find you. The effort was getting too much. He desperately tried to suck in bursts of air. His eyes stayed closed. He slumped and appeared almost asleep, or worse. 
Lani moved closer, lifted a still water skin that sat beside him, and tipped some into his lips. He sucked at it as best he could. Who will find me? He grunted. She wasn't sure what to do. The fear had been replaced with concern. Concern for him, concern for herself. There was nothing she could really do for him now. The cut across his gut was too deep, and the amount of blood pooled in the dirt below him was too great. A small bunch of flies were already buzzing about and crawling on him. She made sure the stone was back in the satchel and snapped it closed. Stepping around him, Lani gathered what he had dropped in the cave when he'd been dragging himself in, a coat, the sword, and the satchel. He lifted his head with a start. It caught Lani by surprise, and she jumped back. He wheezed harder. His voice was almost gone. Let me finish my writing, then I will tell you more. Lani wrapped his coat around herself and watched him painfully writing words into the journal. She couldn't make out the ink from where she stood, not that it would matter as she couldn't read anyway. He struggled, dipping into the small pot on the ground, but eventually finished and closing the journal put his quill down. Listen now, you must. My name is Ashantha Prabruin. In this journal is all the knowledge my people will need to know. He stalled, letting some blood run out of his mouth. About the amulet and what happened to me. What people? I come from a private group of people. They look after things without everyone knowing. What things? Lani! I don't have... Long left. Let me tell you. She had to wait for him. The outburst causing him more pain. Sorry. The amulet comes from Endurk. They want to do something bad with it. I made some notes. He wiggled the closed book on his lap. There's, there's something wrong with the stone. It tries to control your mind and make you do things don't let it out he stopped his head dropping to his left lani tried more water but his mouth could hold nothing he was slipping away he grabbed hold of her wrist surprising her there was a strange strength in his grip belying the state of him his dark brown eyes bored into hers he said nothing to her but she felt sorry for him like she would do anything he asked not that she could save him a long way south. Calais. Go to Calais. Take the amulet and my journal. Lani, you must. Or all is lost. You must get to Bossu. He's safe. Trust only him with this. Bossu. Safe. He's the key only Bossu. His hand fell away as the last of his strength faded away. Where? Calais. He's, he's safe. Song. Song? Do you mean strong? Weaver. Song Weaver. What was that? Lani asked desperately, his words faint and empty as his breath died within him. Don't die. Tell me what you mean. His head dropped. 
and his body slumped to his left onto the ground. A chill came across the cave and then passed, and a hollow whistle sound seemed to escape his mouth and blew from him out the entrance and off into the night. On his left hand, a small ring went red momentarily and then returned to its silvery colour. All Lani could think was that this was a dream. It was too surreal to be true. She stared at his dead body, squatting beside him, holding the water skin. The blue light was fading fast and the darkness was claiming back the cave. Creeping to the back of the cave, stunned and silent, she slid down the wall and sat in the farthest spot from the entrance. Her head ached. Too much had happened today. The blue light finally went out, its very existence intrinsically linked to the dead man. Too tired now to think or to move, Lanley finally dozed off despite the dread and worry in her mind. Thanks for listening to this chapter of the In All Jest podcast. For the show notes and more about this podcast, visit kingdarrell.com forward slash podcast. You can contact me through that site and find me on Twitter at I reckon. If you enjoy the show, please tell others, share my posts, and review it on your favorite podcast platform. Till next time.